Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights and just about everything else, uh, that, <laughs> at least that we can pile upon her, Nicole, because that's that's just what we do. We, we make you do as much as you possibly well, can. Well, I'm just trying to compete with those ac- academic business cards. You, well, we, we've seen a few that can go on for pages, right? You're getting close. <laughs> Radio talk show host, TV correspondent. I mean, you're you're a little bit of everything, and that's that's just why we, we always have you here, because you do such a wonderful job on setting us straight, Nicole. And we've got a wonderful show outlined. And uh, we're going to start off with an event that's coming up about a week, exactly a week from today, actually. And Nicole, tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, so I'm super excited to have with us here today, Nancy Foss, and she's the Community Outreach Care Coordinator for Home Instead Senior Care right here in Raleigh. And they are having a very special event to deal with the medications that we often have hanging around in our home much too long. We just don't know what to do with them. We know we're not supposed to flush them down the toilet or plant them with our seedlings in our garden. Or, but what should we do, Nancy? Well, um, the last thing we want to see them happen is to end up in a landfill mm-hmm. or for um, children or seniors to be using expired medications. So we're going to have a mission medicine, and it's going to be Saturday, May 11th, um, and it's going to be at our office at 164 Windchime Court. And we would love to have you come and bring all your unex- un- or unused or expired medication. So where did, how was this born, this whole idea of Mission Medicine? Is this an organization that you created, or how does this work? I wish I could take credit, but no. <laughs> um, Home Instead has a heart for seniors, not just for in-home care, but also for every aspect. Mm-hmm. And so this is just something that Home Instead has created and been doing for years. And so we partnered with Resource for Seniors because we want to not only help seniors you know, in other ways, but we realized that it's not just about unused medication, it's also about paying for their prescription. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have this drive to raise money. So it's this is gonna be a twofold event. Okay. The first one, it's going to be two people can bring their unused or expired medication mm-hmm. so that we do safeguard. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to be a fun time. A raff, We're going to have a raffle. We're going to have a car wash. Um, we're free giveaways. You can get your blood pressure taken. We're hoping to raise lots of money to then um, help some seniors in our area pay for their prescriptions. Oh, that's a really great idea. So are you able to handle all types of medications to include some of those controlled substances or like the opioids that we're always hearing about? Yes. Um, the sheriff's department will be on hand. Okay. And they will be you know, safeguarding all the medication that comes in, and then they will be take them off-site and disposing however they dispose. Do you know how that works? They're just out of curiosity? No, I'm, I'm kind of curious myself. <laughs> I know they come and, you know, come with police presence, so. <laughs> Definitely. So what else should we know about this? Okay, so, again, it's the day before Mother's Day, so who doesn't want a clean car to drive mom around? So mm-hmm. come get your car wash. Uh-huh. Get free popcorn. We're doing some giveaways. We have really nice raffle prizes, 
And while you're getting all the fun for yourself, you're absolutely helping a senior in need. And just to give you a couple little stats, um, the average senior takes four to six different medications a day. Mm -hmm. And one in four are skipping those doses or not taking them or, or you know, not having them filled at all because they of the cost. They can't afford it. That's right. right. Well, if you think about it, if you're faced with, do I buy groceries or do I buy medication? Usually medication is going to be the one to go. And one of the tricky things with medicines is, you know, once you start feeling better, that's why the doctors are always after us to finish our course of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a diabetic and you're on insulin or a diabetic medication or pill, you start feeling better and you think, well, I don't need this medicine anymore. But you don't really consider, well, the reason why I'm feeling better is because I'm taking this medicine. So then people start extending it, mm -hmm. thinking, oh, it won't really hurt if I take the pill every other day. Right. And then the next thing you know, the person's really in some a, a medical crisis again, and oftentimes because people people are embarrassed about their financial constraints. They're not honest with their physicians as to what's going on. So then the physician's sitting there trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together to figure out, well, why is this person not responding to the medicine we gave them? That's so true. And unfortunately, when they start skipping doses, it's going to affect their health. And we already know that the health crisis among seniors is, you know, rising. And so we want to prevent any additional we, we want them to get their prescriptions and we can only do that if people come out and donate and buy raffle tickets and get their car washed <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about home instead senior care sure we're um, an in-home care agency so we go wherever a senior calls home mm -hmm. and we really you know a lot of people want to age in their home and mm -hmm. so we send in caregivers who can help do everything from you know just sitting with them to all the way to bed care, bed bound care, and everything in between. We can do errands and clean and um, just be whatever they need for us. And yeah. what what's the territory that you serve? So our office covers all of Wake County. Okay. We are an international company. Yes, big. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. like 1,300 mm -hmm. franchises all over the world. So, and then typically, I know this is maybe sometimes an uncomfortable question, but a lot of people listening don't really know how things are paid for. How is sure. private duty in-home care typically paid for? Sure. And um, we do accept long-term care insurance. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest, and this is just an aside, if you're younger and thinking about your future, I would say to start thinking about long-term care insurance. Even it's, though it's expensive. Even though it's expensive because, you know, care, wherever you are as a senior, it's going to be expensive. So we take private pay and long-term care insurance. Well, and what people don't realize is as they age, and, and once you get placed in the throes of this in, in the, your caregiving journey as, as a family member caring for a loved one, people just automatically assume that Medicare or private insurance pays for everything. Right. But long-term care... It, it really is very heavily uh, privately paid for, um, and it's very, very hard to get a subsidized program to pay for, for such things as in-home care. And if it does, it's not paying for round-the-clock care that a lot of folks need. Right. It's usually paying just for the health part, like a nurse to come in, maybe do you know vitals and things like that, just a short visit. So what are some of the sort of limits of what an in-home care company can provide from a physical perspective? Um, well, we can help ambulate. We can help shower. Um, we don't prescribe, obviously, medicine, and we can't dose it, mm -hmm. um, but we can definitely help with med reminders. And um, so, really, yeah, we're not medical, right? but we can do everything right up until that point. We can help somebody age in home. And we work alongside, we work very well alongside a lot of the health um, care agencies and hospice. 
Definitely. And I, and I know that in-home care companies are often a bridge for family members. You know, I know sometimes, you know, families, people do want to age in place and they want to right. age at home. Um, and sometimes this is, you know, adding in a little bit of extra help into the home can help kind of defer a potential future placement by sometimes even years because, mm-hmm. you know, having just a little bit of support services, making sure that individuals taking their medications, making sure that they are, you know, safe in their home and getting good meals really can help them maintain their independence longer. So if you're an older adult and you're listening and you're really starting to feel like you're needing a little bit more help, I know it's really hard and scary to feel like you're giving up that control, but the reality is is that if you don't receive help now, you're going to have an incident. Something's going to happen. You're going to have a fall or, or something of that nature, and then things will be out of your control, and you'll have to be placed, if not permanently, but temporarily. That's, that's exactly why our heart is to go into a home and help somebody stay safe because accidents, you know, age 65 or older, one in three adults has a fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, and then when you get to higher age, it's, it's even more. So it's like, it's incredible how having a person in the home can prevent that. Definitely. You know? Yeah. That is uh, something that we need to look out for and uh, uh, get assistance if you do need that. Nancy Foss, Community Outreach Care Coordinator for Home Instead Senior Care. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And again, we want to remind you, Mission Medicine taking place next Saturday. That is from 9 to 1 at 164 Windchime Court in Raleigh. Um, that's off of Six Forts Road between Strickland and Lynn. Again, it's at the, the Home Instead Senior Care Facility there. You can drop off your expired and unused prescriptions. You can do it safely and securely. It's a great way to do it. Don't just uh, throw them in the trash or flush them down the toilet. That's not the way to go. Participate in Mission Medicine. You can find more information at homeinstead.com slash 226. A quick break and back and more with Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we've entered the month of May. That means the caregiver summits are just around the corner, Nicole. Yes, sir. We have our first one coming up in a little over a month on uh, June 6th, the RTP Caregiver Summit. And I'm so super excited to have my partner in crime here with me today, Lisa Levine, who is the Director of Education for the Dementia Alliance. And we are going to be talking to you at length about the caregiver summits because we often mention them, but we don't really dig in deep as for what people can expect, uh, what's going to be there what the session topics are going to be and and so we're super excited welcome lisa thanks for having me back again our 11th year i know i like the number 11 i do too it's a cool number (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so we are we the one thing we know for sure is we're getting older Yes, you and that's I, true. We feel it every we every do, year at the we? end of the summits. We decide we need more and more young people to help us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of volunteers. <laughs> Lots of very good volunteers. Yes, for sure. So RTP Caregiver Summit, the second time we're holding it at the Sheraton Imperial, which is really exciting because that uh, facility has a tremendous amount of space. It really lends itself really well to a summit of, of our size. It really does. And um, 
you know, we we didn't know what to expect last year, but we filled up a lot of space in that large venue. We did. We really did. And, you know, mm-hmm. folks were very complimentary of the location and the parking, the ease of access off of all of the highways. And so we are really excited to bring back the Caregiver Summits. And so for those listening, the Caregiver Summits, the idea behind them is really to bring respite, resolution, and resources to the family caregivers that are attending because we know the family caregiver journey can be very long, can be very hard, and you certainly can find bless in the mess, but it's really, really nice to come to a place where you're surrounded by other people who are sharing the same journey that you are. may not be exactly the same, right. but everybody understands. So that sense of empathy and sympathy um, is very strong at these summits. So true. And we see people that come back, you know, year after year and get together with people they've met at the summits before, and there's a real camaraderie there. They make it a family weekend even sometimes. Sometimes they do. Yes, for sure. So talk to us a little bit about the the sessions that we're doing this year, Lisa, because I know you work really, really hard to make sure that we have sessions that would appeal to a very wide audience. Well, we're mixing things up like we always do. We try and make things just a little different every year. So this year we're going to have six educational sessions and they're going to repeat three times. So people get to go to all half of all the education that we have, which is a little different. Uh, than we usually do. And so we're going to have some topics on dementia. We have one called, So Your Family Member Has Been Diagnosed with Dementia, Now What? And it's going to focus on um, what do you do after you get that statement from the doctor? Unfortunately, so many times people um, get that and then they go home and they don't know what to do with themselves. So we've got some great social workers from Duke who are going to explore that topic for us. We also have a caregiver's productivity toolkit, which uh, I know we can all use uh, (laughs) to help us be a little bit more, um, a little better at time management, Mm -hmm. a little bit better at juggling all of our responsibilities. Finding time for ourselves in there somewhere. Definitely. Schedule that in a bit. Absolutely. (laughs) A little bit where we can find it. And um, there's a lot of tools out there now. A lot of technology to do that, but how do you know what's the right one for you? Mm -hmm. So Emily Parks is going to go through that with all of our caregivers. I wonder if they're going to bring up the Caring Bridge. Um, Because I know one of the big challenges that family caregivers have has to do with you know, getting the communication out to all the other family members mm-hmm. that aren't really local. And mm-hmm. so if that gets to be exhausting to kind of repeat the same thing over and over again. And, and so kind of having that ability to almost blog or di- write a diary or journal about what's going on with a loved one can be helpful from an efficiency perspective. Definitely can. And also for those people that want to do more but aren't really sure what to do because they don't know what's happening day to day, that's a great tool to Definitely. share. Definitely. What else? Mm -hmm. Uh, We're having an amazing session I'm so excited about. It's called Improving Quality of Life Through the Power of Music. And I know you've had Casey Hall from our office uh, talk about personalized music. Um, We all know that music affects us individually. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how uplifting it can be or how calming it can be. And so Casey's going to help people both find a way to uh, personalize their own playlists, Mm -hmm. but also playlists for their people they're caring for so they can help boost their mood when they're feeling down, relax them when they're stressed. Um, It really is an amazing tool. It comes from the people that made uh, music and memory. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big thing on the internet. Uh And um, it's really exciting. We also, of course, have a legal topic because we always have to do that. We're going to talk about Medicaid 
state eligibility in North Carolina with Clarity. Um, they are great sponsors of ours. Mark Costley and Jonathan Williams will be there to join us again this year. They were there at the, at last year, and uh, we all need more information on the ever-changing subject. Definitely, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, we also have um, a very important session, which is caring for people at the end of life with dementia. Mm. You know, we talk a lot about what do you do with someone who has dementia during the day? How do you help them with care tasks? But we really don't always focus on end-of-life issues mm-hmm. and what's going on. It's it's not a fun topic, but it's a very important topic, and we have so many people that are helping loved ones with dementia. Well, and it can be quite paralyzing to the family when they don't know what to expect and what how they're going to be able to handle it. And so I think it's, while it is, like you said, difficult, it's really important for people to understand if a person is going to ultimately die from a disease like Alzheimer's or mm-hmm. related dementia, what might that look like? Absolutely. Sometimes and having that knowledge Yeah, to know the resources ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can be more prepared for, for what's sure. going to happen. And then finally, we have a session called Finding Encouragement and Rest in Your Caregiving Journey. And it's going to, you know, we always try and do self-care mm-hmm. at these. It's so important for caregivers to take care of themselves. And so we are going to have Rich Gwaltney back from Transitions Life Care. And he's going to help people look within and find the courage and the strength that they they need to get through this caregiving journey and I know people that go to that session will just feel really good uh, when it's done yeah so you can really you know as an attendee at the summit you can really decide you know do you want to really understand more about the business of caregiving do you want to arm yourself if you have a loved one with a cognitive impairment with more tools to help you with that or do you just want to spend that time taking care of yourself mm-hmm. not to mention the resources that are there so we typically have 70 plus exhibitors that are there that really represent all of the different types of resources that a person may access during their loved one's journey so whether it's a private duty in-home care company like we had on earlier whether it's a residential facility whether it's a state agency like SHIP, mm-hmm. we talk about them with Medicare or a department on aging that can really connect you with some additional resources. And so some of these resources are free. Some of them, you know, be, maybe something that you're going to pay for, but really going through that exhibit hall is an education in itself. And we have a lot of caregivers that come mainly for the resources, right? you know, not only for that education, but there's just so much information to be gained there. So we do also have something new this year where we're going to have an opening session, um, which we haven't been able to do in the past, that is really going to be more of a TED Talk type style. So it's going to be an experience to really immerse you in your day. I don't want to give away all the fun and exciting <laughs> details, but really it will appeal to all caregivers. And we're actually going to ask all attendees, including the exhibitors and the, and the sponsors, to attend because it's really going to be an experience to remember, I think, and really kind of set the tone for what we're going to go to, to be doing for the entire day. And I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to our underwriting sponsor who came back this year, which is AARP, and our presenting sponsor who also came back this year, which is Clarity Legal Group. And we would not be able to do these summits if it wasn't for the support of our sponsors and our exhibitors, which they truly make these summits affordable for our attendees. So summits coming up on June 6th. Mm-hmm. at in RTP at the Sheraton Imperial if you are a family caregiver and you would like to attend the cost is $15 that includes the entire day's worth of sessions that includes a lunch that includes <laughs> getting connected with people you can meet Lisa you can meet me you can have a little conversations with you know other people who are going through your journey and it really is just a day to take you away from what you're going through on a day-to-day basis and really help you plan for the future. 
it's an exciting event and it's an important event yes. that people attend. Yeah, you know, Nicole, there was a report that came out from our sponsors, AARP, in 2015, and it said eight out of 10 caregivers say they could use more information on caregiving topics. 80%. Well, we got it right we here. We got it. We do. Yeah, you're not going to find as much information and as much resources in one spot as this. So I highly encourage everyone to attend. Lisa, thank you so much as always for coming, and we always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Again, caregiversummit.org is the website. You can register for the June 6th session at the Sheraton Imperial. You can also look at the other sessions as well, planned out throughout the rest of the year. Nicole does a wonderful job getting those organized. Registration is so easy online. Head over to caregiversummit.org. A quick break and back and more with Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Claggett. And Nicole, we're going to revisit a topic that is always important, and that has to do with home care. Yes, yes. Home care is definitely near and dear to my heart. And the reality of it is, is most people would love to age in place in home. Yes. If, if, if they have an option, that's where they want to be. So I'm super excited to have us today, have with us today Tom Arnold. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home right here in Raleigh. And um, He's going to be talking to us about those transitions because transitional care is something that we're hearing a lot more about. It's making even waves onto mainstream media and really, you know, people are going home sicker than they've ever gone home before. And really, how do we piece that together and how do we make sure that they have a positive experience and not end up right back into that hospital system? So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here. So you have been with Right at Home for, or owned Right at Home here in Wake County for how many years now? Uh, we just celebrated 10 years. Wow. That's a long time. 10 years, yeah. So your anniversary and my little Godding Lights anniversary are pretty close together. We're almost yeah. on 10 years as well. So yeah, I, I think it's about how long we've known each other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we've met, I think, a few times, right? Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about your interest in transitional care. Well, transitional care has become a, a real hot topic or buzzword in the industry. Um, hospital and rehab stays are becoming shorter and shorter mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, and we can we, you know we can elaborate more on that. But as people transition from a hospital stay or a rehab stay, they're they're going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, they go directly home from the hospital and bypass rehab or a skilled nursing facility, and that that creates some issues. Obviously, as you mentioned, going home sicker. Obviously, they're going home with care required. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they meet with that discharged nurse or the doctor in the hospital, they're given that packet of material that says, these are the things that we want you to do when you get home to help with your recovery. Well, how the importance of that is, do they really do it? And how well do they do it? And can they do it on their own? Or do they need the assistance of either family members or private caregivers or professional caregivers. And a huge hole in the system, frankly, is we're sending them home, and we may have an idea of what home is, but we may not have any idea what the conditions are in the home. I mean, for mobility purposes, clutter, cleanliness, tripping hazards, I mean, the whole nine yards. Well, 
course, my business deals primarily with the senior population mm-hmm. and people with disabilities. And a tremendous number of seniors today live alone. Mm-hmm. So if they go into a hospital or a rehab environment, they may be there for days or weeks or even months. And when they go home, that home environment is not appropriate at that point for them to move back in there without some, some changes or, or some assistance. There may not be any food in the refrigerator. You know, uh, Some of the pitfalls in the transitional care s- start with understanding that discharge plan and what you're required to do when you leave the hospital. And competency is a huge issue. I mean, and, and this is a big piece of the conversation that we're hearing out there in the healthcare world is writing things and teaching people what they have to do in the way that they understand. I mean, to you and I, it would be old hat to hear, well, this person needs a two-person assist transfer. But if you're a family member who has literally just gone through, you know, their loved one coming out of having a really bad pneumonia and being in intensive care for a period of days and now being sent home and being told to do a number of things this it's like being dropped on mars and it's it's very overwhelming one of the one of the big pitfalls is uh, medication mm-hmm. um, i, I kind of look at myself as an example i come from this from two perspectives <laughs> from a patient perspective because i am a senior uh-huh. and i've had a, a numerous hospital stays in my life i mean i'm a cancer survivor i'm a lifelong heart patient so i've had a lot of that transitional care in my own world but I also run a company that provides care for people in transition. So I, I come fr- to this subject from two different perspectives. Medication management is, is a concern. For example, if you're a heart patient and you're on a blood thinner, let's say you're on Xarelto or, or you're on uh, Coumadin, mm-hmm. and you go in for a heart procedure, you're taken off that blood thinner when you go into the hospital. You may be taken off some of your other medications as well. When you come out of that hospital stay, you may be on new medications. And that reconciliation between the old and the new medications, often there's, there's a disconnect. You're dealing with new doctors versus the doctors that you dealt with prior to going into the hospital. So that's where family members and professionals can really assist the patient because if you don't reconcile that medication, one out of five seniors today, people are on Medicare, after a hospital stay, are readmitted within 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real drive on to keep people out of the hospitals because insurance regulations won't pay for people going back into the hospital within that 30-day period. But that's a startling number. One out of five go back into the hospital within 30 days. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those readmissions are, are preventable. Right. Well, and medication's a huge issue. And, you know, huge I, yeah, I, one, uh, geri- medical therapy management or medication therapy management, um, geriatric pharmacist that I know, you know, she, she, she said something to me one day. And, you know, I kind of got to thinking even about my own life. She said, you know, the pharmacists at you know, Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, you name, whatever pharmacist you're talking about here. She said, we learned to count in kindergarten. That's not what our job is. We want you to stop us and to talk to us about the medications that you need to take. But they look so busy back there counting pills that people don't want to actually ask a question. And, you know, one of the biggest issues is filling medications at all because people are home and then they don't have the proper transportation to even get to 
the, the, the pharmacy to fill the medications. And then also, to your point, the reconciliation of what I was on before I went to the hospital and then things got changed, you still have your old pills at home. So then you start taking what they prescribed you in the hospital, plus what you had at home before, plus every over-the-counter and herbal that, you know, your sister from, um, you know, Oregon says you should be taking. And now you're taking a whole mess of stuff that's all interacting with each other and causes you to go right back in. Uh, very, very true. And, and I, I tell people, when you're coming out of a hospital environment mm-hmm. into transitional care, you need to take charge of your, of your own life, meaning that you need to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You need to get that second and third opinion. You need to make sure you need to understand that discharge plan, what the doctors want you to do. And somebody asked me the other day, what, what can I do to, become, to stop from being readmitted? And I said, very simple. Take your medications, understand what medications are you required to take, follow up on your doctor's appointments, have good nutrition and hygiene when you get home, and have a family caregiver or a professional caregiver there to assist you that can help you understand what you what need you an need advocate. You need an advocate. An advocate, exactly. No matter you who you are. For, if, 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 if I went to the hospital today, I really need somebody there with me to help me understand everything that's going to happen when they tell me to go home. Because it's just like when you go into the doctor, you have in your mind a thousand questions you want to ask. But then when you see the white coat, everything flies out of your head and you walk out and you're like, crap, I wanted to ask him X, Y, and Z and you forgot. So truly. Absolutely. And if, if you do those things, there's a good possibility your recovery time is going to go well. It's going to be shorter than possibly anticipated but you have to you have to make sure that you follow all those those requirements that they're given to you when you leave that that hospital or rehab environment so I would love to uh, bridge into a conversation about the role of community-based care and how that can actually assist with the transition good point uh, oftentimes when people go home from care from a hospital you enter into an, an, a new area of care which includes possibly home health home care a hospice a pt and ot physical and occupational therapy uh, a neighbor of mine had a hemorrhagic stroke recently and he was in the hospital for weeks and he's now home but he's got physical and occupational therapy coming in every day he's got nurse care coming in so that transitional care includes working with a new community base of of health care workers yeah, yeah, that's uh, something that you do have to keep in mind. We've got Tom Arnold here in the studio. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home, and we will continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for joining us this evening. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. We have Tom Arnold in the studio. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home, and we're talking about home care, transitional care. And Nicole, we uh, just brought up the subject of community care, community-based care, uh, right before the break. Yeah. So you know, we were talking about on the break, you know, the fact that. Um, 
hospitalizations are shorter and people are going home sicker. And before we bridge into really how to interface with those community organizations, let's talk a little bit about why that's happening. Well, medical technology has improved incredibly over the last several years. I'll give you an example. I went in the hospital um, several years ago for what's called a cardiac ablation. That's mm-hmm. to get rid of uh, arrhythmia or an AFib. Uh, that was about a three-day stay and about an eight-hour procedure, which included catheters and other mm-hmm. things. Um, that procedure today is an outpatient procedure. I was going to say, yeah, I know somebody who had You're that in recently. And out, <laughs> in and out the same day. So technology, uh, for another good example, is, is uh, a prostate removal. Prostate mm-hmm. removal years ago used to be a 7- to 14-day stay, wow. a l- large blood loss. Today, prostate removal is done with a robot robotic mm-hmm. surgery, and you often can be in and out the same day. Same thing with gallbladder and other. Mm-hmm. So hospital stays are shorter because of technology. Also mm-hmm. insurance regulations. They have what they call that uh, 24-hour stay. If you're in with less than 24 hours, it's considered an outpatient stay, and it doesn't have the same insurance re- requirements as, as an inpatient stay. That, so they get you in and out in a hurry. Well, and that makes me laugh. You know, I have had three children, and the first children I wanted out of that hospital, first child I wanted out of that hospital as fast as I could. By the time I had that third child, I was like, how many hours will, because they wanted to send me home within like 12 hours. How many hours will my insurance pay? They're like 36. I'm leaving at hour 36 because when I get home, I have this one and two other little itty bitties at home and I need a rest. So truly, yes, things have, things have greatly changed. And so, you know, technology is a piece of it. You know, I'm working with a medical device company out of RTP where they have robots that literally there could be a doctor at Johns Hopkins University working with a doctor in UCLA operating, you know, in a, in a, in a ward of, you know, Duke Raleigh Hospital on a patient with no physician even in the room through the robots exactly. doing a technical procedure. I mean, it's amazing, scary kind of, but amazing at the same time that, um, you know, access to certain levels of care is, is actually improving just because of the way our technology has changed. Well, it's the same thing with hip surgery and knee surgery. Um, as us seniors are living longer, mm-hmm. uh, we end up with ailments that we never dreamed of, you know, generations ago. Yep. You know, our, our hips fail and knees fail. That's how he was saying all different cha- interchangeable parts. Interchangeable parts. <laughs> yeah. and, but when you go home, there's a certain amount of recovery time required. You, no matter f- what. Physical, occupational therapy, um, the medications, the new medications you're on. And this is where what you call community-based care comes into being. You may enlist the services of a home care provider mm-hmm. like, like ourselves, uh, a home health provider, occupational therapy. So there's a whole team of people in this community-based care that enter into the picture once you're home to help you recover and get back on your feet into your normal daily routine. And then, of course, then there's the onus of how to pay for it. And people make the assumption that Medicare pays for everything. But the reality of it is most of the care in the community that you're going to receive, whether it's in a, in a long-term care facility or in your home, typically comes out of pocket. A lot of it comes out of pocket. Uh, predict, uh, home care, for example, uh, is not covered by Medicare. Uh, it is covered by Medicaid. Uh, but it's also covered by long-term care insurance, some VA mm-hmm. insurance. So there are some insurance that do pay it, but, but a large portion of it, as you mentioned, is private pay. 
And a lot of these folks need custodial care. It's it's just really exactly. care while they're recovering. So then enters in that role of that family caregiver. Well, it's somebody just to help them prepare meals and mm-hmm. do light housekeeping or go to the store, go get pick, pick up, up the pills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, transport them to their doctor's appointments because those follow-up doctor's appointments are very important. So where do, where do you see – one of the things that I see often falling apart in the community-based care realm is that there really doesn't seem to ever be a true air traffic controller, sort of a pinpoint organization that's interacting with all the organizations that are placed in a person's home following discharge to make sure that goals are being achieved and that the person has a positive outcome so they then don't bounce right back into the hospital. Uh- very good point because it, it's, it's kind of what they call the silo effect. Everybody operates in mm-hmm. their, own, their own little world. And I think that's where families, um, loved ones, advocates, geriatric care managers, uh, a home care provider that can provide the advocacy, their nurse mm-hmm. or their social worker, these people need to step in and kind of oversee the connection of all these community-based entities together. Now, that's improved a lot over the last few years. Home health, home care, uh, a lot of these other organizations are now working very close together. And they're collaborating with the hospital employees, the discharge nurse, the doctors before they ever leave the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that plan of care is established by the time they get home. And then, they're, and then that, that communication organization is set up so that it all kind of kind of comes together. Where's the linkage, though, hooking up with that primary care physician? Because once that person is discharged back to home, their primary care physician hopefully is the person that's now going to be reinvolved. Do they get connected, or is that still sort of a missing piece of the puzzle? Uh, Well, the primary care physician often is kind of taken out of the picture because when you go in for specialized care, you're with us. Too many different different specialists. Different practice. You know, your your primary care physician is not going to replace your hip or your knee. Uh, it, it's a specialist that does that, so that communication often kind of falls through the cracks. Mm-hmm. But, it, but again, it, it comes back to the patient themselves need to advocate for themselves. They need to ask the right questions. When when you leave that hospital, it's it's funny when I've left the hospital before that discharge nurse comes in, sits down at your bedside, and says, "Mr. Arnold, you're getting ready to go home and sign this, sign this, sign mm-hmm. this, and we want you to do this, this, and this." And of course, you're coming out of anesthesia. You're, <laughs> Your head's cloudy, and the first yeah. question they ask you, do you have a ride home? And do you have somebody that can stay with you for the next 72 hours? And, mm-hmm. and, and if, you, if, you, if you don't, you need to make sure that somebody's there. So you've got all these questions being thrown at you, and if you don't have somebody there to help you with that, it can be overwhelming. Mm, it, it really can. So talk to us a little bit about the place that private duty in-home care has in this whole piece of the puzzle. Well, private duty in-home care is, is what – our organization does mm-hmm. uh, right at home. And we're kind of, I call us the mop-up crew. We're the kind of <laughs> the people that go in there. Home health comes in, uh, uh, you know, an hour at a time. They send their nurse in. The physical therapist comes in and out. But the home care person can be in there, the, the caregiver, for example, for long hours, you mm-hmm. know, anywhere from three hours to maybe around the clock. And they're in there helping with, with mobility. They're helping with meal preparation, they're helping with toileting, they're helping with bathing, and all of these requirements that the individual themselves has difficulty doing. And that's, that's where home care really comes into being. In other words, they're the one that's taking, transporting them back and forth to the hospital. They're the ones that's taking notes. Uh, we use what we call a change in condition protocol. 
And when our caregiver goes into the home, they're like an airline pilot. They go through a checklist of, okay, is there any change in condition? And it's a list of about 15 different things. And if there's a noticeable change in condition, then they alert our nurse. And by noticing these changes early on, sometimes it eliminates uh, uh, hospitalization down the road by being able to understand that there's, there's something going on. Definitely. And so if folks want more information about Right at Home and how to get a hold of your services, how would they go about doing that? Well, they can go to our website, which is uh, wake-reh.com, um, or they can Google us, uh, just Right at Home, mm-hmm. go, on, go online. Um, we're in a, in a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of sources. I mean, our literature is in hospitals and doctor's offices, and there's, um, so there's a lot of ways to secure information. And and we're, we're not the only ones out there. I mean, there's a lot of really good providers uh, that do what we do. and uh, Find the right fit for sure. So, exactly. you know, um, we're coming up upon the caregiver summits. And, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to ramp that up, Jason. And that is a great opportunity for folks that are listening to come on out and actually learn a lot about the community-based organizations that exist, and as well as long-term care options. Yeah, finding out about this stuff before you're in a crisis is so key, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just getting that information ahead of time. And, you know, there's no better place to do that than the caregiver summits. Yeah. And, you know, and if folks are, you know, sitting in a situation where their loved one is adamant about never moving into a long-term care facility and you're sitting here thinking, well, geez, they have XYZ diagnosis and this is going to be a situation where they're going to need a lot more care down the road. It is never too early to really start gathering information and trying to prepare to care because trying to make a decision at the bedside upon discharge is way too overwhelming, especially when you're about to come home with that very fragile human being. And I, and I can give you a great example of that. We had a um, gentleman who walked into our office about four years ago, and he said, I don't need any care right now. But he said, my wife passed away recently. He said, I took care of her for years. She was... Uh, totally bedridden. And he said, I've had cancer a couple of times. And he said, it's probably going to come back. And he said, I want to go ahead and set everything up. He said, I want you to have all my information. So all I have to do is pick up the phone and call you. The assessment's been done Mm -hmm. and you're ready to provide care. And I know it's going to happen. And sure enough, about a year later, we got that phone call and he prepared ahead of time. That was easy button. Yeah, that, that's, exactly. the, that's the way to go about it. Yeah, that level of preparation, is, it's a tremendous gift for yourself and for your family. We've had Tom Arnold here in the studio, CEO and owner of Right at Home. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate having you on. Appreciate it. Again, you can find more information at wake-rah.com, wake-rah.com. we got to get out of here. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.